From the Far East to the Great West. The podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre. Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So this movie had a lot of fight scenes. Um, It was originally called Storming Attacks, if I got that right, which actually makes more sense. And in fact, I made a note for myself that if I could go back in time and find the guy who named the American version Image of Bruce Lee, I'd kick him right in the nuts, just like... uh, just like Han kicks Donna in the crotch later <laughs> in this, this movie. Um, but yeah, I would. I would go back. I mean, try to yes, that's right. image of Bruce Lee. I mean, it's like, oh, you want a picture of Bruce Lee? You want him when he's alive or when he's dead? It's like, oh, my God. Not to mention, it's one single scene in this whole thing, which we have the clip. It'll come later. Oh, where it's mentioned about his looking like Bruce Lee, you mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, so director uh, Kyun Young, um, it looked like he's done, I don't know, something like 60 movies or something. Yeah, I mean, he isn't, He didn't do a lot of martial arts films. One of his more famous you know, martial arts films that we, uh, we've talked about is Duel of the Seven Tigers. But, um, you know, he, was, he, he kind of did a lot more drama, police stories, that kind of thing. You know, so I think that's why in this movie specifically you get a little bit more um a little bit more characterization i mean you, i know you probably noted along the way the bad guys weren't just the, the mustache twirling bad guys you know even bolo had some character to him and and everybody had some elements even moments of of maybe even real values you know we got that fight scene earlier on where the john chung is about to throw the guy off the bridge and then he doesn't you know i mean the bat normal bad guy would have just tossed him off so yeah that's a great point i thought they were all pretty charming i liked han and yeah, um, Stephen, I guess, is the son who's, uh, if I have that right, John Chang, right? Yeah, John, John Chung Chang. I mean, it's, you know, different. I worked with him, actually. One of my earlier jobs here in L.A., he was on it. I, I did. Um, I mean, a lot of people recognize him in various kung fu films. And one of my favorites, actually, is called Snake in the Shadow, which is a great. Um, but um He's also did blood sport and he was in, um, I think double impact. And then when I worked with him, I was choreographed a couple of fight scenes in, uh, the dragon, the Bruce Lee story with Jason Scott Lee and mm-hmm. plays, I think it was Johnny's son, the guy he fights in the tournament. So, uh, nice guy. It was, he was cool to fun with fun to work with him. Yeah, kept, that's you really know, trying cool. to, his English was, you know, pretty good, you know, but I kept pushing him for, for information, bugging him on the set. Oh, you got you must be such a pest. You're like, tell me more. Remember it all and give me the goods. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, um, you, then, you realize after a while these guys remember nothing. Right. Yeah, I've been kind of getting that feeling. Like it was a shot in the barrel like back in the day, you know. They came, they did it, it was and now they're immortalized, but it's like, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what happened. <laughs> well, that's cool. We got know. Bruce Lai in this. Um and then a guy named Chang Lee, who uh, played Mustache. Yes, yes. Great character. Uh, he was, uh, we, uh, we, he actually just, 
I noted he had just did a movie last year, so he's busily still acting in films. But um, wow, he uh, he. I think that we didn't. We talked it not much because he was only in a small part. But we did the Revenge of the Black Dragon. He was in that too. Oh no, kidding! That's cool. Um, yeah, and I love that one. It's always fun. Been it's up in my list and one of my my ha who played Han, the old guy. I liked him. He's cool. Onion Jet. Okay. Onion Jet. He's the big boss from uh, The Big Boss with Bruce You're Lee. You're kidding me. That's uh, him? King, one of, yeah, King, one of King Who's bigger choreographers, you know? I mean, he, he, in, in, in 71, he did The Big Boss, and then he did Touch of Zen in the same year, so it was a very fruitful year for him. But yeah, that's that's Onion Jet. So you have, Amazing. in this movie, we have Bolo from End of the Dragon, and we have The Big Boss from The Big Boss. I love that. And, you know, I feel like the whole Han thing is still throwing back to Han's Island. There's some End of the Dragon stuff thrown in here, which we'll get to. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kimura, Bolo. I love it. All right. So this movie, yeah, Image of Bruce Lee, Storming Attack 78. I love this. Um, it starts really funny. It starts with one of the biggest Bruce moments, but we've got this guy who's going to commit suicide. I guess classic 70s style, but jumping off a building. So everyone's down below. It's like straight out of an old movie yelling at him to please don't jump off. We get this great scene of our Bruce just climbing a rope up the building. I guess that was the most efficient way. We don't know anything about him yet, except that he's wearing the jumpsuit from Game of Death. Of course. Uh, yeah, really funny first scene to see our Bruce. So he, he scales the building really efficiently. He gets up there, and there's a man who... He's not related in this film at all. Um, we have no clue what was even going on. He he bought something on credit, so he didn't even really own it. And then he decides to die. And that's where we get our first clip. So Bruce gets to the top, and he decides he's going to save his life. Um, we eventually figure out he's a cop, and that's why he's doing it. But nobody explains the jumpsuit or the, the blue shoes or any of that. But um, here we have him saving the man. <laughs> Nice try, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's funny, right? And right off the bat, you got to. Well, actually, you know what? There's a there's a, a a longer credit sequence for this. There's no credits on the version I saw. I know sometimes they're cut off, but the that runs like the opening to uh, Police Squad, where it's just a shot of the. I don't know which one you saw, but it's just a shot of the spinning light for the police car, and the yeah. credits are going up. Car fifty four. Right? Um, sometimes they cut that out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. But I just thought it. I love the opening of this because it's so, it's so strange. You know, it's weird. It's odd. The, the, it's such a like a flip with the arm coming off. You know what I mean? And then we sort of set him up right away, which I don't know if they necessarily pay it off later in the film. But you know, we've got this this hero that's just done something and he didn't succeed, and so he sort of failed. And there's this sort of miserable moment right afterwards with him. Where you're probably just about to talk about with the first fight scene that he has. But it's like they never really take it anywhere as a as a character. But, you know, it was a great, great opening. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it was one of those situations where, like, they want to see the hero right away and it should be dramatic. So we just do this thing. I mean, I can even imagine it was topped on later. Like, they're like, well, what do we how do we really open this? We got to open it with 
more excitement than you know or maybe you're right it's like so he could be the pissed off cop punching the bag extra hard which is our next scene yeah we get in i didn't know yeah. what was happening yet because i didn't even know he was a cop um one thing i noted you'll you'll like this um let me move this window but check this out uh bam so notice the uw shirt he's wearing so university of washington oh, yeah. where bruce went to school uh when he was in um, Good catch. seattle yeah he's in seattle he went to uw uh, he studied, um, if I remember right, it was something like philosophy and something else. It was very, very Bruce of Bruce to go and do that. But it, I think that's a really interesting touch that they threw that in there. Um, it can't have been on accident. So it was like they're obviously thinking of Bruce. You know, yes, beyond. Yes, there's definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah, he definitely, gets, he gets, definitely gets thought of in this movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there it, yeah, because otherwise, yeah, the image of Bruce Lee, I suppose with that, like, that's such an intentional thing. So it, is it supposed to be Bruce? But then, you know, we'll get to it later where I guess in this world, Bruce is still alive. Because <laughs> there's a part later where Donna, Could be. she's like, I could introduce you to him. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah. Is that so, what she uh, said? She didn't say that, does she? Yeah. Yeah. When she's in the car, she was like, you look like Bruce Lee. I could introduce you to him. It'd be better than driving a cab. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe wishful thinking on the part of... The oh, writer. interesting. I didn't remember that part. I love it. Um, cool. But yeah, so there's a funny scene. Um, he went to see Bruce fight, and there's like, mats all over the ground, and he just beats the shit out of his co-workers, and that's kind of... <laughs> that's how we learn him. Um, great next scene, we meet Mustache. And uh, to this point, I still didn't understand that Mustache and Bruce were related, uh, but we build our plot. So we got the fake currency. Um, really funny scene. The first guy that comes in, it's like they, they're asking him why he was counterfeiting money. And he's like, I wasn't totally. Like, this was because somebody came into the strip club I work at and I wanted a tip and blah, blah, blah. So it's all believable, but it gives them an opportunity to show sex, you know, tits and a drunk guy. It was like a little exploitive. Um, What's great is right after that, they have a blind woman come in who's also been duped with the money. And, you know, it was like, there was a right, very right. brusque way they were doing it. It was like, she's got the counterfeit money too. interview her. <laughs> so she comes in with her eyes kind of. Yeah, I think there's out, a like, lot like, of underscored humor in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, strange thing here, there's a version on Daily Motion. Where the next scene, um, we go to a club, and there's a club owner and these two dudes. It's like a guy with a mustache and a guy that looks like Bruce, but it wasn't them trying to get the club owner to drink like diesel fuel out of a cup. Right, I remember that. Yeah, it was weird. So the version I have, I it's have a very, to watch... it's and, and I. Oh no, you're gonna. Oh, well, well, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Oh yeah, just that I watched. Uh, I have one of those horrible like. Um, eight Bruce Lee movies on one DVD kind of thing. <laughs> and they're all Bruce Boitation, and one of them happened to be this one, so I got to watch the DVD version. Right, right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was going to just make a comment that it was these... Uh, I always have a hard time with these nightclub scenes in these movies because they're so... 
saturated two-tone colors and it just looks so i don't know why they light them this way every time but they like just turn off every light but red lights and so it's either it's black and red and a little bit of skin tone and it's just all and it's all of them are like that it's just so horrible <laughs> yeah that's a good point and that's like their classic club scene well the version i had they completely cut that out and instead what they did is um we had this weird fight in a dark room and maybe you can tell me who the heck he was fighting so we got Bruce and somebody in a dark room. And this dude had a big mustache as well. They fight each other. At one point, I think one of the two says to each other, like, who are you? And they're like, don't worry about it. And they keep fighting. So then he handcuffs the guy. Wait, wait, he's the... fighting Mark. Mark. He's fighting Mark Chung, right? The mustache guy. They're fighting in a room, I think. Why would they be fighting? You're talking about the scene. And there's a moment where the door opens and the light hits them. And it's it's them fighting. I suppose so. We end up handcuffing the guy at the end. And then the next scene... We're back. We're in headquarters, and Bruce's. Th that's because yeah, they realize oh we work. We're going to work together because they they don't know who each other is. And the you know this whole uh, film is obviously filled with a lot of who's the who's good, who's bad. So that's classic. So that was mustache. He was fighting in the dark. He didn't know he was fighting his work friend. Okay, okay, I'm down with that. Um, yeah, yeah. So next scene, we do get them together. We got Bruce. We got mustache, and we've got this classic like police chief dude wearing his his cool stuff um i've got the clip here of the slideshow but we go through the slideshow it's actually a really long tedious slideshow um they did it just because of enter the dragon you know the whole beginning <laughs> of yeah giving them some intel but it's really long it's it's like it really reminded me of like watching my grandparents used to do slides when they'd go to like yellowstone or whatever and all the kids would have to sit and watch it was like that He's like, right 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 here's his son his son's 23 he enjoys kung fu uh enjoys a diet of steak and soda switch to the next one it was like really funny um and yeah i've got a i got a clip here we go fun stops he likes kung fu and he's good he has one son that's han cheng wei he's 23 at the age of six he started kung fu ever since he's maintained his interest when he finished college here, he was two years in Japan. And when he came back, his family got rich again. We suspect that it was Han Cheng Wei who set up the group in Japan. Kimura there was his classmate in Japan, and he's in Hong Kong now. Yeah, easy enough. And it went on for a lot longer. There's probably a good two more minutes of, of slideshowing, you know, they like... Here's Kimura enjoying, you know, a nice meal with his friend. <laughs> and they're horribly staged photos, too. It's not like they tried to make it seem like they were caught, you know, by some secret <laughs> camera. They're just like perfect. The guy, some photographer was right there. <laughs> yeah. They're like, do something kung fu -y. <gasps> Yeah, exactly. Love it. Um, let's see. Yeah, so we got Bolo. So, yeah, so he's pretty much told that uh, Bruce and, and Mustache are told that it's time to trail these guys. So we get a good scene where Bruce is kind of like watching for people. And it's great because he's he sees uh, Steven wearing like the kind of an orange tracksuit. And he has the he has like perfectly like a picture of Han and a picture of Steven sort of that's him. Yeah. So we, we pop on in. Yeah. Pretty good fight uh, between them. Um, of course, they uh, these fights are always like this. Like there's never really kind of a there are only a couple times where there's a definitive fight. Like in this case, it's just a lot of people punching each other. So they fight for a minute and then all of his friends come 
and the classic yeah. 70s thing. They remove the distributor from the car so he can't chase them, which I think is classic. You know, I used to do that to my friends, you know, age yeah, it's, 17. It's, Steal the coil cable. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was actually kind of... And, and again, it's like that that kind of sort of... That plays into the movie quite a bit, this idea of the of the while one thing's going on, something else is going on to get you. You know, there's a lot of one-upmanship in this movie between all the characters. And you watch Absolutely. it with Dana specifically with the microphone later and, and even at the end and all, even the bad guys do it, you know, where they lets him out. She, he lets her out of the car. Then he follows him and she's waiting in another car. So there's a lot of this sort of trading you know, totally. kind of stuff going on. Yeah. It's a great point. There's yeah. a lot of that weird trickery and stuff like that. Like, we're going to get to that scene in a minute and I don't even think I have a clip or anything, but yeah, for some reason, you know, she's Donna's really sly. Actually, our next clip is Donna arriving. So let's get into Donna. So Hans niece, um, Donna is going to get picked up at the airport. We've got, um, mustache there waiting and we have Steven there with of his crew. And, she, and, and you have Shan, uh, you have Shan Shin Bo, who's the, the fight, the fight choreographers in that scene. You'll see him in the, he's one of the guys at the airport coming along with John Chung to meet him. Cool. Meet her. Yeah. Another funny thing, you notice that there's that woman sitting there watching it all happen. And is that the same woman from the end end who's with Donna? And I just don't, well, when I hit play. From the end, see, I think so, yeah. But she doesn't have any other part between here and there. Like, she just stayed at the airport the whole time or something. But here we go. He's here with two men. I'll follow him. She wrote us that she'd be wearing big sunglasses. Hmm. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. Right? I'll keep in touch. Hmm. Yeah. Well, of course, they shot the whole airport scene probably in two hours, so she was oh, there. Oh, so. you're right. <laughs> That's exactly what it is like. That. Donna, my love. Comes the big sunglasses that just look... Yeah. I let this one go a little longer because I love that she kisses him on the cheek and then he wipes it off. No, he, he, what, oh, when he gets kissed? Are yeah. you Dana? Yeah. He gets kissed. I am Steven. Hello. Hello. Didn't think that you'd be quite so handsome. Mm. I'll take you to meet my father. Mm. Apo, hmm? you take the bag <laughs> to the hotel. Right. Come on. <laughs> he just kind of. But, but see, that's, but I know, but you see, this is what I, I mean, you can fault these movies to death sometimes, but one of the things that I like what they do in this is there are these little details that they stick with. And for example, that kissing thing comes up a couple of times. It's not like just some moment and they throw it away. It was very thought out. You know, she does it again later. And then, and then of course the end shot is, is both of them kissing her. So there's this kind of interesting sort of dynamic there, but even like, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> even when they, uh, <clears throat> have the handcuff scene where he gets handcuffed bolo it looks like it's just going to be a throwaway moment but then he's using it excuse me you're good um cool let's see uh so oh, see there, oh, there yeah. You are. yeah we got a little delay hit oh i just figured out how to turn back on my comments thing um let me just double check here Hello, Sean and Fletch and Glenn and Chris. How are you all doing today? 
Um, sorry, I didn't have this earlier. I will actually later on um, in a few minutes. Actually, I forgot to do it before we started. We were going to play uh, a cool video that Michael put together, but we'll make sure we do that right when we get to the end. Yeah. If I don't lose Michael again. Okay, but that's it. Um, we got Donna arriving, um, airport sunglasses, very funny. She's absurdly obsessed with how pretty she is. Like, all the men were looking at me, and then later on she talks about how her dad is yes. such a dog. Yes. And um, I think I tied that together. It's because of the twist we're going to get to later that, um, there's, this is totally spoiler heavy, Donna is not who she seems. So maybe... The real Donna is quite ugly. <laughs> and this Donna is a little more attractive. Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, okay. So that said. Uh, uh, yeah. The, but she, she, that Donna character, Dana, Donna, I guess they call her Dana, Dana, whatever they call her. She, she definitely is the standout in the whole movie. Like normally she'd be that kind of a little bit of a throwaway, but she's hilarious in this. I mean, they really found a great character. Yeah. Yeah, she's delightful. Um, Great man too. I, and even even the Mark character, the the mustache guy. You know, they they both kind of play a little bit of straight man to her. Absolutely. And and um, spoilers for our episode. I purposely didn't put just on every freaking Donna scene because she's just delightful in everything, every moment of this. She's she's definitely the most valuable player. Um, I do have more, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you just kind of followed her around and listened to her, it's pretty hilarious. Um, so Mustache goes ahead and trails her and Chang. Um, this is what you were talking about. There's the fake out. Like she's like, well, let me get out because I this guy's following us and and it seems like she's really clever. So she gets out and then you know he decides who am I going to follow, Donna or Stephen? And he decides to go after Stephen for some reason. Um, but whatever. So we get this fight on this overpass, and that's what you were talking about. It was very interesting because I'm like, why wouldn't he just throw him over into traffic and kill him and be done with it? And instead, he lets him live, and the fight goes on a little longer. And yeah. and then, of course, the fake out is like he chases after him. And that and pretty pretty cool fight scene. There's a pretty there's some good camera work in that fight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I didn't think of that because you get a lot of like um, a lot of video of them standing up there, but then a lot of video from both sides of the fight. Yeah, pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's a nice. There's a sequence where the, they start grappling with each other, and there's a kind of I can't remember exactly, but there's like a neat wrap. A camera, like they start on one side, and as they spin, the cam goes around with them, which is pretty interesting. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so good fight. Uh, Donna comes and saves the day for the bad guy. She grabbed a cab and has the cab just waiting. So that was just perfectly classic. Um, we get to meet. Han and Han gets to meet Donna and interesting too um, again the twist is Donna is not who she she pretends that she is so she comes in she's like uncle and it's all pretty well done um, you know him going I haven't seen you since you were this tall and and she does her I'm ugly and <laughs> and uh, very funny um, and is that where we had yeah, yeah Bolo's in there as well and Bolo's like I don't know of any men who would think that way about you, you know, get setting up for some scenes we're going to get to later. Um, one of my notes I think is funny is, uh, well, yeah, they get, they get Bolo out of the monosyllabic sort of, you know, 
gorilla guy in this and he's got suits on he's kind of charming and he's a little more you know conniving but ingenious and so it's great i, I love how they he gets a, a a chance to play play in this one you know yeah yeah no i love it um and he's still when he's fighting he does that thing he did in Bloodsport, the thing that he did in enter the dragon he puts on crazy eyes it must be like one of his signature moves but um he does that multiple times in this and it's delightful to see he just kind of the <laughs> it just goes crazy it's amazing yeah i love that uh bruce got caught taking pictures outside so we get to fight one of our our easy fights because i don't think there was really anybody um to worry about yet um I love there's a long scene where Han and Bolo talk about how hard it is to sell the counterfeit money. I'm just like, maybe you guys are in the wrong business. <laughs> um, yeah. Really, the point of that is that Bolo is sort of, uh, we're understanding that they're maybe not simpatico. There's a little bit of problems between the crew. Um, and then we get our first mm -hmm. Bolo Bruce fight, which was terrific. He does his crazy eyes. Um, it's a really fun fight. I have a cool clip of the highlight of. I call this one Bolo Kong. It's like Donkey Kong, but. Yeah. He did not enjoy that. That was awesome. Got uh, it. You, you get Bolo picking things up in this as usual. You do. Yeah, we got the barrel, and then I definitely have a scene where he's manhandling uh, Donna. So <laughs> great <laughs> scene, <that>. yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, Bruce then has to actually uh, Bolo just runs off. He has to fight Stephen and his lackeys. Um, just kind of goes on for a while, just a fight in the sequence of fights. Um, then we get Bruce breaking into the mansion. Uh, I wanted to put this scene, but again, I was trying to like cut back on the amount of um, of rated R stuff I throw in just to be nice to anybody who might be watching this with their kids. Um, but he breaks in the mansion. There's a great scene where he's just like going through this like photo album. He's like, hmm, he loves ladies. Flips the page and there's like a hair in there. He's like, he likes to keep souvenirs. He just keeps going, you know, he likes to take pictures. So we're just starting to get that Bruce thinks that this this Han might be a bit of a pervert. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, if you actually, I think it's, I don't know if it's the Wu-Tang's version of this on YouTube, but if you watch this version there, it's all this stuff is gone. You know, there's a scene where she's swimming naked in the pool and that yeah. literally go, it's funny because it goes to a commercial, because I, I checked it twice, when she, as soon as she's getting out of the pool, it cuts right to a commercial each time. So, um, they, yeah, they they chopped that one up on you, but you're right. There's a little bit more, a uh, little bit more uh, eroticism going on in the uh, in the uncut version. Well, and I get everyone wanted to see Donna naked, and they get to see Donna naked, and that was the end of the point of Donna. But uh, I noticed with a few reviews um, that people are talking about how explicit it is, and maybe it was for '78, but I'm like, I don't know, a modern program um, any modern movie you see way more graphic nudity than her taking a bath or swimming you know it's pretty tame if you ask me it's not like yeah i think i think probably that might be compared to a straight up typical kung fu movie that we 
feet from that era. You're right. I think it's more like, and, and you got to keep in mind too, that was how she made her career first. You know, I mean, her, her career prior to doing a couple of these, you know, Bruce Boitation movies, she was doing these heavily erotic type, okay. type movies, you know, I mean, that she was getting naked. So that was, well, her, she was brought on for that. I mean, granted, I think it comes across as, you know, being humorous and funny and, you know, has a good stage presence, but you know, totally. she took her clothes off. But I mean, if you think of explicit things in Bruce Boitation, I'll always remember uh, Bruce's third leg. Uh, remember the the like troop of underground <laughs> nude ladies in the pool. Chris remembers that one. I remember because he's yes. like, "You dogs!" But I'm like, "But it happened." There's the naked lady room in Hades or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so um, and yeah, Fletch, I'm going to try to catch up a little bit later and go through and catch the questions. So if anybody wants to ask something again, I'll start from the bottom and head up or something like that. Once we get to that point. And yes, Sean, exactly. We're just moving on and moving on. Um, so yeah, did he steal a porn magazine? Like he looked through that stuff and then is there a tie-in of the magazine he shoved in his shirt? Do we get to see that later? Well, it's, it's what he takes to the police. There was something about it. There was, but it was something in it. It wasn't a magazine. It was something about a printing press or something else. There's only a couple of these in town or something. There's a moment okay. or whatever it was he took. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah. You know. I missed that. Completely. The MacGuffin. Keep it, yeah. Keep it. I missed it completely. Just um, look at naked pictures. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good moment. Um, so Bruce breaks in. We didn't jump to Donna talking to Han and Steven and, you know, asserting that she's still cool. She's got the paper. She has a courier. <laughs> she's just there to look pretty. Um, one thing I love in this movie, all the rotary phones from 78. You just don't see rotary phones anymore, but almost all the phone calls, they kind of really focused in on that old rotary phone. That was neat. Um, <laughs> you don't see phones anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I guess rotary for me, you know, I'm born uh, early 70s, so I ran into a few in my time. Um, you remember the old pulse dialing that kind of did the same thing, but yeah, it's just a, a weird relic of the past. Okay, now yep, we get a yep. hilarious uh... scene. The naked lady room. Uh, exactly. Um, <laughs> anyway, Bruce and crew are informed that Donna is back at the hotel. And this was a good bit of comedy. Um, right away, she gets to her hotel room and notices that there's this big chrome microphone sitting under like the side table. So she just kind of walks up, takes it off, and then decides to toy with the cops. And it may have been better if she would have searched around because we would have understood then maybe Donna wasn't all she seems, but it was sort of just sitting there. So she grabbed it. And there's a great scene where uh, she gets oh, on the God, phone. It's so obvious. It's like right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then just great scene where she just uh, fucks with them. She gets on the phone and says, ah, oh, the cops are listening to me. And she's holding the microphone up. And then there's this like convenient little hole next to the toilet. She's able to just plop it into, and just keep flushing the toilet so they can hear it. So at first they look confused and it's showing this great, like, uh, like wave meter to show how high the decibels are going of the flushing or something. And, and then um, finally the, one of the cops is like, I think that's the John. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. That, that, that's what I mean is that um, I think Richard, the director wrote the script too, in, in which I, I've seen a couple of his films and he's definitely one that doesn't try to take it too seriously. So that's, in the case, you know, of this movie that's, you know, constantly through the film, there's this sort of 
play on. In fact, you know, later when she's saying goodnight, how she kisses the mic and then the other cops like goodnight. And he's like, he's singing, and, then, and Bruce lies just like at it. Yeah. And there's a great gag in the middle of all that with mustache. For some reason, he's sitting in the lobby of the hotel and she um, sends him coffee and then dinner. And then they're yeah. like, Donna was trying to find you a room, but there aren't any. So she, the manager agreed to let you sleep in the lobby and here's a pillow and blankets. So it's kind of like, yeah, as, uh, as Sean was just pointing out, uh, worst cops, they are nasty. Um, in one of the reviews I read, it was kind of focusing on how shitty the cops are. Like there's a scene where, I don't think I saw the scene when I watched it, but when I read a review at one point, it's like, I think Mustache threatens to burn down a club if they don't give him some information or something like that. Like the cops are, are at a brutality level that's at least equal, if not higher than our bad guys. And you're yeah, right. Interesting. The cutest scene. Good night, detective. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next scene, it seems like an add-on scene. Um, some dude got robbed. A bunch of people are dead. Um, they did the chalk line on the ground. The whole thing was pretty epic. Uh, and the only tie-in is, like, after everybody leaves, I think Bruce is like, these are tied to Han. It's like, okay, moving on. Well, no, I think I think that... If I'm, you can correct me if I remember this right, but I think that's that's the sh an indication that that Bolo went in and stole something from those guys, which he now has. I think he had. Oh. I don't know if it was some paperwork or something, but I think he steals something that he then goes to try to sell, not to sell, but remember he goes to the dojo later on in the movie, and there's this whole exchange, just whatever it was that he got. You know what it is? That. He stole the plate. That, that's that seems very funny too. By the way, when they're carrying off the body. They don't even put them on gurneys. They just grab the bodies and haul them off. Yeah. Yeah, you figured it out. That was the plate stealing scene. Because we never saw Bolo steal the plates. And he has the plates in like 10 minutes. So that was what it was. Bolo came, killed all those people, stole the plates. There we go. And now it's time for everybody Yeah, because the guy's lying to the cops saying, oh, my wife hit me in the head. But then it was really he got hit in Bolo yeah. for somebody. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You've watched enough of these that you figured the plot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I've got, uh, so, yeah, John, Ching, Chang, whatever you want to say, Stephen, it's finally time for us to admire his physical prowess. So we have a pretty cool martial arts, martial arts uh, expedition scene. Um, and I do have a clip, not of the big show off but of the part where dad pops up and does his um ninja coin cool trick anyway your kung fu's quite good but you still have to keep on practicing every day you test me Right? Are you ready? That's awesome. The coin foo. 
which we're going to see later on as well. Yeah. And it's kind of, this film is kind of interesting because Han Yin Che didn't do a, 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 pretty sure most of the time you would see him in a movie, he was also the choreographer. So this is one of those cases where he's not the martial arts director. Um, you, you can see some of, I think, his influence in it. He, if you watch a lot of his choreographies, a lot of throwing he loves. There's, towards the end of this movie, there's a lot of pickups and throws that I think probably may have been him getting his due from the choreographers at the, on this film to sort of go, you know, yes, Sifu, what do you, what would you like to include in this? You know? Yeah, that's terrific. Um, yeah. And we, the next uh, scene we get, I actually have a clip from it as well. They're kind of on top of each other in this case, just cause I got the good Donna one. Uh, Bolo, uh, just cause he now he stole those plates. He comes and wants to uh, romance Donna a little bit, but also, um, collaborate with her so we'll just jump straight into and this is of course what you brought up michael um bolo having to lift her above his head which you know again you brought you said this probably 40 episodes ago you don't get bolo in if you want somebody fast you get bolo in if you want somebody strong and exactly they always use bolo for his they're gonna <laughs> lift someone above my You all right? Hey, are you all right? <laughs> all right, your kid's eyes. She's got bruised booby. <laughs> don't be mad i can do you there don't you be go mad. don't be mad he just smacked her so hard in the chest i'm that telling he you his fingers they don't flirt like they used to you know this is like yep yeah absolutely that's hilarious uh but also goes to show how much fun she is um so yeah uh they got a call that bolo stole the plates um Bruce is still trailing Bolo, so he ends up going to a karate studio. I thought we were going to see a scene from Fist of Fury, um, and we really didn't. Uh, we had kind of a funny, I got this case, you need a warrant. I'm thinking we're going to get like some top views down on our Bruce, kicking everyone's ass. But it was a pretty even fight, you know. He just had to fight, fight, fight. The big fat sensei comes in has to fight bolo fights well you do you know it's funny you say that because there is there is some there is a little bit in there there's a you know there's definitely an element where obviously the whole setup of bruce against an entire dojo is a setup but there's a one shot and they do it repeated a couple of times where you get a, a, a fairly wide shot and then they just stick bruce in and they do the bowling pin thing where he spins kicks a guy spins kicks a guy kicks spins you know, like what Bruce did in a couple of his movies, and you see him disappear. But you get that here a little. I mean, they're definitely pulling from that that um, that um, inspiration. Yeah, let me ask. Um, you know, as a martial artist, I noticed this movie has a lot more of the grab someone's arm and flip them over thing. Like, is that even a thing for their style or? I mean, it's like a, it's like a judo Well, again, that's why, I, that's why I was talking about Hanya Jay. used to do that a lot. Like, yeah, it is. And, you, well, keep in mind, too, especially in this, these guys are supposed to be Japanese. 
of a Japanese dojo he's in. So that would definitely comes from that element. But I think one fight scenes at this point was we're dealing with this sort of interesting playing of going from, you know, like we talk about the basher genre, which was, you know, the idea of, of coming out of the, the old classical kind of Peking opera fighting style to a much more realistic where people are getting stabbed and their heads are going through tables, that kind of thing. But we're still in this very classical uh, approach to the fighting. You know, when you watch these fights, it's not like smash grab, you know, born identity. It's like technique, 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 because they were still trying to show off technique. That was very, you know, that was big at this time. You know, when Bruce Lee came along and and suddenly was a, a great martial artist. Everybody else at that time that was working <clears throat> that wasn't a great martial artist was now shaking in their boots a little bit. You know, Jimmy Wang Yu, who, who was not a great martial artist, kind of while Bruce was alive, sort of took a back seat. And then when Bruce Lee was gone, it was he was kind of back in the limelight again. But I think in this, this film, I noticed that, that the martial arts, it's not played for straight up realism. They're still very heavy into just putting in interesting techniques of, you know, and some of it's like you said, it's influenced by Bruce Lee. We love the Bruce Lee bars that we saw in Fist of Fury. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot of classical technique in this. That's a great explanation because I wonder that often with these, like. So martial arts had been kind of the same through the 60s, you know, like you said, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a genre that's, my point is, is by the moment in the big boss where Bruce steps in and it's no longer just people punching each other. He has very decisive kicks, very decisive punches that knock people the fuck down and they don't get back up. It's like, why don't we just keep doing that forever? I mean... It's like, why don't they realize that that's what that was the moment in in that kung fu movie that we were like, this isn't a typical kung fu movie. This isn't just a bunch of guys at a factory that are going to get killed for cocaine. We got this hero there, and the hero can kick people's asses better than everyone else. So if you're mocking Bruce yeah. in a way and being Bruce again and again, I feel like you're missing that one aspect that makes Bruce Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you're right that he, there was a lot of just sort of straight line fighting where it was just, you'd fight, you might stop every once in a while to realize you've been stabbed or there was like some reaction to something. But with Bruce, when he came in, the pauses there as the broken rhythm, as he would put it in his fight scenes were, were a lot more, he was he was doing stuff with his face. Just watch him in the big boss, when like you said, when he first comes out and he kicks a couple of guys and then he's looking at the guys and he goes, all right, hold it. And he goes... I want you guys out of here. And they all come at him with the knife. And Bruce is just, just, he's looking at him. He's just looking at him. And he does little feints with his head. You know, that was something that you didn't see. And then he kicks him. Then the guy goes down. So you're right. There was a, a story that was being told and martial arts that was being brought in. And I think that is one of the things when we talk about Bruce exploitation is what are some of those elements about, it's not just imitating Bruce, but what is it about Bruce Lee that they, everybody tried to carry out of what he showed them in his, you know, three or four movies movie or four or five movies that he did you know as far as the fight choreography and his presence and his rhythm and his you know choreography and and we get little bits and pieces in these movies which is part of the reason as kids we went to him it was like we just wanted even if it was for 10 seconds to be oh that reminds me of bruce lee you know absolutely i mean sometimes i just bit is that sometimes it's unfair 
when we do a movie like this, because, you know, Bruce Lai is going on doing a Bruce Lai movie. Bruce Lai, Oh Jung Da is doing that. He wants to do a cop film that's funny and entertaining. But, you know, we are now, in hindsight, throwing it into the pile of Bruce Ploitation. <clears throat> Specifically, A, because he's in it, but B, because we get these just these little nuances that were influenced by Bruce Lee. Yeah, it makes me laugh. We've brought this up in other episodes, but it makes me laugh because poor Bruce Lai, you know, they're like, no, this is totally a cop movie. You're okay this time. There's no Bruce Lee thing. You're good. Just come on in and do it. And then, like, they're like, hey, we're going to need you to come back in in the yellow tracksuit to climb a building. <laughs> He's got to be just like, you shitting me? So it is a Bruce thing. I'm going to be Bruce again? Um, yeah. I don't know. He knew it was at the moment. Donna was like, hey, you look like Bruce Lee. Um, okay. Bolo escapes with the case. Funny scene. He's outside yes. and there's that cop, uh, which I love. He's got a gun and he's just like, hey, you, aren't you Kimura? And he's like, yeah, your friend inside just interrogated me. Why don't you leave me alone? But then, of course, he has to beat him up anyway. But I love that. Um, interesting scene. The next one is obviously a continuity problem. The next scene is Bolo trying to get the handcuffs off, but he was never cuffed. You know, he beat the dude, the cop outside. Cop shot at him as he drove away. So for some reason, he's trying to get handcuffs off. And uh, that's when Han and Steven come for Kimura. Yeah. Which was a yeah. pretty good Well, fight. he got handcuffed in the prior scene by that cop. You know, I think, I mean, that that's what I was talking about was, <clears throat> it was a sort of interesting idea because he gets handcuffed and then he just runs off. And then, like you said, in the next shot, he's, they're banging away trying to get it off. And I, I at first, when you're watching it, <clears throat> you're going you know, what's the point of this? But then you realize they, the forethought of this was up into a weapon. I've never seen that. I don't mean it's maybe been done somewhere, but then he's like pulling it and using it as a weapon to get them. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. No, my copy didn't have the Bolo getting handcuffed at all. So he just uh, fights around a little bit in there and steals the case, runs off. When he gets outside, he doesn't have a handcuff on. So it was, for me, it was really weird. I was like, okay, whatever. You know, we obviously something got cut. No, no, no. When he's he meets the cop outside of the dojo. Did you see that? Was that part in your your? Yeah. Where he meets the cop outside the dojo. Yep. That's the guy that puts the handcuff on him. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't in my copy. He just talks to him, and then Bolo kicks his ass, and that was it. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. I mean, I watched it three times. I'll I'll triple check. I may have missed missed the. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, yeah. So Bolo Bolo just got his ass kicked. Um, pretty hardcore by the crew. Um, I don't think it's the last we see of him, is it? Or it is, yeah, because he's he's dead now. And we get to... Oh. Yeah, well, he dies in that scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get to a scene that should have a clip. But he dies in a tank top. Swimming. They got him in the tank top, you know, they because he's not his shirt off the whole movie. Yeah, Chris uh, pointed out earlier, um, Bolo was looking sharp. Um, and I agree, like, his all-white suit and all the stuff he's doing, um, it's the nicest we've seen him look in a long time. Ever since the big hairy chest with the gorilla bananas or something. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, Donna was swimming nude. It was a good scene. Check it out. Um, mustache is on her trail. I, I like that scene. It's a little more, like, kind of jokey cop stuff. But Mustache is following Donna, and she knows. She's she's dressed all hot, and he's, like, doing the classic, like, oh, I'm, I'm not looking for anybody kind of thing. And, um, oh, God, gets, yeah. Yeah. 
she gets him into a bar um, and is just playing with the cops again. This is more Donna messing with the cops. Like she gives him some cash and she's like, don't worry, I'm loaded. This stuff's real, not counterfeit, um, which is funny. Cause then later on or right after this, she's then goes after Bruce. Cause it's like, they kind of wanted to show both things being the, her messing with the police. But this is where we get, um, he's pretending to be a cab driver and we get this cool clip. You ought to be in movies. You look exactly like Bruce Lee. Not interested. Hey. Hey. The sunglasses. I could introduce you. Much better than driving a cab. Are you shy or something? Hmm? Hey, how long have you done this? Five years. Um, yeah, so he drops her off. Right after that scene, I don't know if you got to see the whole thing, but we just did the you look like you look just like Bruce Lee and um, her going, oh, I'd introduce you. So I don't know if she's saying I'll introduce you to the movie industry or I'll introduce you to Bruce Lee. But I'm I'd like to think that Bruce. Yeah, is still does alive. That, that could mean that she wants to kill him. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on when, if he was alive or not. Right? There were no horse heads, but for some reason she tried to steal his sunglasses and then he left her at a monastery. Is that right? Yeah, it was a yeah. There was some spot out in the middle of nowhere where he was dropping her off, and you know that was funny about the sunglasses. She's like, "You weren't wearing." I was wearing no my sunglasses. Yeah, <laughs> she's like kleptomaniac. I love it. Um, all right, well, so um, my note here because stuff happens. Um, cool cop stuff. Cars driving. Cops being mad. There's just sort of a sequence of you know people driving and they're angry. It's like. I don't know. Um, Donna leaves the monastery, gets sent to headquarters. Um, she's pretending that the Bolo thing was all just some joke that she wanted to see if he actually had them or whatever. It doesn't matter. She's back on the good side of Han and Stephen. Stephen offers her a diamond. So we know that they're connected to the diamond heist that's discussed earlier. But then um, Mustache arrives and he's pretty quickly defeated. Did you notice when they get to the end, like they kind of just go against, they kind of like all jump him. It's like three against one. He gets his butt kicked, but they take something off of him and put it yeah. like Steven does and puts it in his pocket. What was that? Oh, that's a good question. I remember that. Yeah. I don't know I what, they what it was that he would have had. I was, I was wondering if I missed a scene where he stole a diamond or something. All right, well, cool. Bruce shows up as yeah, well. Got, yeah, good question. There's a great fight. All Both these fights are really fun, but Bruce comes, he fights everybody, and he gets stopped by a gun. And I have a clip for that one, so let's hit it. It's a good one. <laughs> Hold it! Cut the club. Hero defeated by a gun. It's always the case. <laughs> You fight real good. Don't think I've seen a better technique. But there isn't any technique that can work against a gun. You can't. That's Take true. Come in and dig a nice deep hole. Big enough for two. Sure. Come on. Right. I can tie him up with the other one. Right. You gonna bury them alive? Oh, no. That's much too messy. I'll gas them. 
I'll gas him. I thought that was funny. And then the actual means of murder is literally turning on the stove, turning off the, the pilot, and just letting the room fill with gas. Like, that's not going to have any <laughs> negative effects for everyone else or that place exploding or whatever. I don't know. Funny stuff. Yeah, and if you notice in that scene, chained to a table where all they would have had to do is just lift the table up and they would have gotten out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a table. It's not even... And it's sort of like... I love it because next Donna, we find out, is actually an Interpol agent and she's come to save the day. But it's great. She sneaks under the table and I guess does exactly what yeah. you said. It's not like she had the keys to all of their handcuffs or something, but she opens the window. We're all like, what's up? She's no longer wearing her... Yeah, that's outfit. right. I mean... Yeah, there was a little bit of incest, implied incest coming uh, when she was hooking up with her cousin and uh, said, you're too sweaty. Maybe you need to go take a bath. So I think we just skipped all that. It's not really a cousin. It's Donna, the Interpol agent. And yes, oh, exactly. God, that was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was all a ruse. Uh, she's on our side now. Um, and this is kind of the big final sequence. So we have Mustache and Donna go after Steven. Um which is a cool scene because she, he's about to get killed with a gun and she shoots the gun out of Steven's hand, which lets us go ahead and then just fight. She shoots a guy in the stomach, yeah. but then gets it knocked out of her hand. So that's kind of the end of gun gate for a while. Um, Bruce goes after Han. Um, I like the scene at the deconstruction site, uh, whatever that torn down, partially torn down house was cool because you know they were like we have these big mm -hmm. walls of concrete let's get them in the shot make sure we do it well and that was awesome yeah i have i actually have um years ago i bought from this guy he had like all these hong kong lobby cards which are the the what they used to display in movies you have the poster and then the lobby card which is a photo from the movie usually in a little poster and the information um and i bought like I spent, it was close to like $800, but I just got, I got literally hundreds of them. But, and I had, so I got the full set of the, the Hong Kong lobby cards to, to uh, this film. And one of them, I, you know, I still have them. And it's, you know, this very posed shot against those pillars with the, the big, you know, Han Yun Che behind, a, behind the pillar and he's got his weapon and then there's Bruce sneaking around. It's a very prominent image and po posed image on the lobby card. That's amazing. I think that's a practice that needs to come back. Little, um, collectibles that you can take home and remember your awesome movie. Uh, it's good. Um, yeah, so we, we're all separate for a while. Um, we actually have a fight where Bruce is just getting his ass kicked by Han and Steven. But finally, the dream team, dream team comes back. So Donna and Mustache come to save the day. Um, there's actually a funny scene. These guys have been just pummeling each other for... 10 minutes like punch punch fall punch punch fall donna comes did you notice there's a scene where han kicks her in the crotch and she's just out of commission she's just like she's bent over and she's done which leads to the greatest scene in this movie uh it's right here it is called hey mustache well you mean wait the, well, you're talking about where where oh wait oh wait well so uh, oh you're not talking about the fight scene where she joins in the fight on the beach you're talking about something else no she joins on the beach she gets kicked um in the crotch by han and she's kind of out so then right. mustache is beating the heck out of him finally gets him in a full nelson and we get this scene <laughs> yep 
So she destroys his manhood, and that is the end of Han. That's great. And we, we missed one of the best parts, too, was earlier in the when Bruce is fighting Han Yun Jay, and he bounces off the wall and flies into a headbutt and hits him uh, and, like, knocks him like silly, and then you see kind of Bruce rub his own head. I mean, I love that That part. was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. One thing, one move Bruce does in this a whole bunch of times is a very passionate, like, flying kick. And he never connects. There's like eight attempts of him doing the flying kick. It has a good effect. And that, ah! and oh, yeah, good it's point. always he just flies by the person he's trying to kick. It's like, Bruce <laughs> Airlines is not on schedule today. <laughs> um, and that's, Bruce much, that's the end. We get, um, you know, Donna. Um, I actually wasn't going to put this clip in originally, but I grabbed it at the last minute. So let me just throw it in. This is the end of the movie. Um, Bruce and Mustache are sending Donna back to Japan or something like that. Which, which is great. Know. It's great. You've got a clip of that because I like the ending of this. Me too. It's a wonderful... Here we are. You, what are you doing? I'm doing what Han did. Taking hairs to keep us souvenirs. Crazy. You know... In all the James Bond movies, when he's done the job, he always goes off with some beautiful girlfriend. Look at me. Have to fly off now by myself. It's so sad. I don't believe you. You never tell the truth. I bet there's a dozen men waiting for you. Japanese often like to beat up their wives, wouldn't marry one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I love, we've done so many of these. I now understand more than I ever should have, the 70s um, feeling of Chinese people against the Japanese. And that line hit it home. Well, you know, Japanese like to beat their wives. I wasn't sure if that's just a throwback to her uh, boob bruisal by Bolo, or if she just means all Japanese people are bad. But she did kind of throw the bucket out there. Well, I think I, I think you're right. I think it's both. I think there's an element of the Bolo thing. But, you know, he was, he was, she was having that sort of loving fight with him but i think it's also just like a stereotype joke you know they did just i mean i've never i mean it's not a very common one because I, I can't i've never heard it before but it was just like their way of just like being mean yeah but i what i liked about it was a that i mean you'd never get away with that today and considering she starts talking about james bond and you're not really sure if she means them but she means herself like i'm the james bond and i have to go off without a beautiful you know person to take with me which i loved yeah that was great um the big ending was i guess i didn't notice until that moment that there was a who is she in love with um romance thing going on it was only at that last minute and like you said it does have the payoff that it's the double kiss and we don't know who she actually chooses. It actually just says the end. Yep. Exactly. Great. I know. And I loved it. And that was the whole movie was that upmanship was going on. It was the fake outs and, and all that was going on repeatedly. So it was really nice. Kind of funny way to cap it off. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, cool. So that, um, I mean, great movie. Um, 
it, it really had some great moments and um, I loved the fights and yeah, well worth our time. You picked another winner. I think you, you picked this one out of, uh, wasn't it like a, was that of a voting oh, booth right. pool or something? We did a poll. We'll do another one. We'll yeah. keep doing that until we run out of uh, what people want to see and we'll make you choose the more obscure ones that break my brain. Yeah, well, <laughs> still got plenty more to go. I always like to crap on uh, Ramon Zamora and his game of death, but I have to admit, I really enjoyed that one too. It was bad. And I'd love to see a clean copy of it because there's multiple versions and I don't know, there were the monkey people on the beach and stuff. I don't know. I That one, it was a hard one, but I liked it. You know, it, it might be worth putting out there too, because even though I've seen several of the um, available versions of some of those of his films you know what i mean like there's fish of fury and you know the the pig boss and there's a couple of really interesting ones that are really hard to find so maybe if somebody can track down some copies we'll maybe maybe try and do yeah. some more of those um but uh yeah yeah it was that was game of death it was a fun one well i missed it in the beginning because we were all just going live and all but um you put together something pretty cool um Roy Horan uh, died, what, uh, on the 1st or, no, it was even, it was like the 11th or, it was not the too 12th. long ago. The he, he, 12th. So, yeah, so Roy, uh, who I met back in 2016 and, and kept up a, a friendship with over this time, he was actually passed away here in Los Angeles, actually. He was up hiking out in Malibu, I think, and he came home right afterwards. And I'm not quite fully sure exactly yet what it was, but, you know, that's what happened. And, and he... Um, really a special man he's uh he was thankfully one of those people kind of like john ben who i stayed in touch with and and um you know most people know him as being there were you know through the 70s there only a handful of the the white guaylos that would get used in these movies right and he just happened to be not only a, a white guy caucasian guy being used in these movies but he was a really talented martial artist really nice person followed this very meditative you know uh, educational path in his life later and his, his daughter jade he's got two daughters jade and um i forget the uh, his other daughter's name but jade's like a big martial arts actress in in the business you can look her up i mean she's fairly well known um and um anyways really nice guy was heart just heartbroken when he passed away uh very surprised too he was, he was a healthy guy um but so what we have here, it's just a little beta version of a little short that I put together that's going to lead into a longer one down the line. And then we're using an, a, a lot of this exclusive interview. It was the last interview he gave on, on video. Um, and uh, we'll be using it in our documentary. He's actually features in it pretty pretty heavy. Um, but I'm also going to cut together something using the footage we don't, don't use in the, the documentary. Anyways, that uh, there's a few little tweaks and quirks with this version you'll see here within the next week up on the Bruce Bloitation blog. So those who don't really catch it here or want to watch through the whole episode just to see it again, it'll be it'll be available online um, soon after. Cool. How about that? All right, well, let's get it. All right, so do me a favor, Roy. Just look into this lens and just say, you know, hi, my, you know, just give me an introduction to yourself, however you want to say. Just first off in the lens and then we'll have you talk to Dave. Hi, my name is Roy Haran. I'm a Kung Fu guy from many, many years ago. 
now a professor at a university, actually retired, and uh, I'm here to do an interview with some wonderful people. <laughs> All right. How's that? that was the rest of it's going to be to me. How did I learn Gong Fu? Well, I was uh, briefly introduced to it by a fellow, a Canadian, uh, in uh, the Northwest Territories of Canada. And uh, he did a Shitoryu Karate. So he showed me a few moves and I thought, well, this is really, really interesting. And uh, so I spent two years in the Arctic living with Native Americans. Uh, he left, went south, but I, I still maintain my interest in learning something about martial arts. How did I get into movies? Uh, well, I was staying with Larry Tan, and we were studying uh, uh, Shaolin style together. And uh, one day, he said to me, hey Roy, there's a movie that's being produced uh, here in, in Taipei, and there are a lot of Westerners in the movie. Would you like to go over and, and watch the movie being made? And I said, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, he pushed me about it. I said, all right, all right, I'll go over and watch this movie being made. And I said, what kind of movie? Is it? Oh, it's a, it's a Bruce Lee lookalike film. I said, all right, Bruce Lee lookalike. I'm a little bit more interested in that. And uh, so Lan Tian Hong comes up to Larry and says to him in Mandarin, hey, need a da. That means, can your friend, can he fight? I didn't speak Mandarin at the time. And Larry said, yeah, he can fight. And then the producer asked him, well, would you be willing to see if he's up to uh, taking a punch in this film. <laughs> you know, I brought along with me today, well, he's the number one teacher from Mr. Grace's school, Mr. Charlie. <laughs> I care if he's Charlie or Lassie. Just get him out of here. Get out! So I went out and did the, uh, did the scene with He Jong Dao, who's the Bruce Lee lookalike. Uh, I don't know what his English name is. Anyway. Bruce Lai. Bruce Lai, okay, He Jong Dao. Anyway, so I got punched out by He Jong Dao, fell down, and then uh, I thought that was the end of it. I collected my thousand Taiwan dollars. And then uh, about a day or two later, Larry says, oh, the producer called me up again. He said, would you like to have a speaking role? in the film. I said, what? A speaking role? I'm dead. <laughs> he said, oh, no, don't worry about it. You know, the, uh, the Chinese don't, can't tell, distinguish one foreigner from another. <laughs> I said, well, all right, that's interesting. What's he going to pay? Same rate. I said, all right, so I'll do it. I don't know, it was somebody else. I don't think it was me. I didn't know, I didn't have to wear a, a black shoe polish on my face <laughs> in my role, but one of the other guys did. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, they basically put a wig on you. So I'd have a wig one time, and then I'd have another wig, and then it would be my normal role. I would have you know the speaking role, and the, the guy who fought was my own hair. Uh, they do that, and they'd change your clothes, and that was pretty much it. So after Bruce Lee died, Hong Kong people wanted to see Bruce Lee because he died young. It was like, well, there is, in the middle of it, we're really getting into this guy and all of a sudden he's gone. 
So they had a desire to see Bruce Lee. They had a desire to see this type of action, as opposed to you know <laughs> the other types of uh, action that you see in in kung fu films. And they said, all right, now the next question is, can we find another Bruce Lee? So they looked around. They didn't look for martial artists that could fight similar to Bruce Lee. They looked for people that could look like Bruce Lee on film. Because to bring in a new face with very, very good action is not as equitable as bringing in someone that looks close to the original. <laughs> but, and uh, maybe his action is not, uh, not up to Bruce Lee's. So it was a marketing ploy. Yeah. Okay, Chris. <laughs> All right, we're in the middle of an interview. So we're trying to make him famous. So we have to be very, very yeah. quiet. Yeah, yeah, I know. And if you can maybe get... Yeah, maybe bring Kali out or whatever. Okay, put it in the refrigerator. It's dead and dark. Yeah, yeah. It looks good though. Well, that's why we can see the background now. <laughs> <laughs> the real star of the show. Right there. That's the star of the show. <laughs> we could just stay like this. Nice. That was an amazing tribute. I mean, what cool footage. And what a sweet, sweet human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really great, really great guy. And the the date was like I said, there's a little glitch. His date was actually passed away. It was on the twelfth, but it said the sixteenth. But gonna get it fixed for the um, later thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like I said, doing this documentary has been like eye opening in so many ways. You know, because we've got we've got three people we've interviewed now that have passed on since we we shot it, um, and. Uh, it's just that 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 time and yeah. Anyways, yeah, great guy. Really cool. I'm glad he did what he did, and I'm I'm glad some people you know you got to follow him. Like you can look up Roy Horan. He wrote a book. I think it's called Vigilance of the Heart or something like that. But um, anyways, yeah, I just there you go. And, we, and then we also lost Peter Chan this this last month. Who, yeah. 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 Peter Chan. Um, gosh, you, you are. I mean, I, I, I said something about that once. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I mean, um, the end is nigh <laughs> for all of us, this generation of people who have loved these movies from, yeah. from X to now. Um, and they don't exist anymore. You look at any modern day, uh, martial arts movie and they just, the, the heart isn't, in the same place that it was it's in a whole new place and i'm cool with that too but it's not what these were yeah. and it was cool that he got to do that like i love that they can't right. tell the difference just give them a wig uh <laughs> i can't believe they put somebody in blackface those are hilarious memories yeah that's really cool um yeah. sean brought up first off saying yeah. thank you because so, he appreciated but, that yeah. but he yeah. um he said i always think of roy horan in snuff bottle connection um which i don't know that one um yeah, the snuff bottle connection. Mm. Is that uh, one you're familiar with? Great, great, great movie, Snuff Bottle Connection. I mean, it's uh, he did another one called Ring of Death. We have Tower of Death, but he also did one called Ring of Death. That uh, you know, he's 
he did a couple of these Bruce Boitation films, but he also mingled with, you know, Snake and Eagle Shadow with, with you know, Jackie Chan. So, I mean, he's he's really had his feet in with some, you know, heavy hitters. Well, I love it. That was really cool. Um, you are a master filmmaker. That just was a beautiful thing. I can't wait to see the documentary. I'm sure everybody says the same thing. Um, I'm going to jump into comments here. I don't know. I kind of did that while you disappeared. You were off getting a taco or something. Uh, but um, I tried <laughs> to catch up. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, um, I've I've let Fletch down because I want to answer questions, but he just knows a lot about uh, martial arts films and definitely knows where all these people come from and all that. And, um, you know me, I don't. So uh, I'll, uh, we can follow up with any of that stuff. Um, any other news uh, that you wanted to throw out before we send these people on to the rest of their Saturday? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we got a, a coming up on Blu-ray by Joseph Kuo. It's not Bruce Poitation, but some great Kung Fu movies. And uh, I'm actually, uh, I did a commentary for it. So there's two commentaries I did on it. Um, for um so look it up i think it's coming uh, to eureka and um should be great should be great i, I mean i pre-ordered mine even before i did the commentary because it was such a good set of martial arts movies and uh and then um you know i i guess uh it's probably the it's probably the, the big of it at the moment um uh like i said we've got uh i'm still in the middle of finishing up to to uh Two other film transfers. I just picked up a couple other film prints, some some movies, and I'll see if they are going to be worthy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, sometimes what happens is I buy film prints from from different places. I don't know the condition of them, so it's sort of like a, a mystery box. You know, you have, I pay whatever I pay, and it's just sort of as is. Um, good ones, and I'm hoping to hoping to uh, they'll work out. So I love it. Um, can you tell me, is there a Bruce Boitation title that you can tell me is going to be next for a good, you know, scanned release? Of of what now? A good scanned release of what? A Bruce Boitation flick. You know, I know you collect them and restore them. Is there one that you can tell me definitively is coming soon? Well, you know... I know when ours are sort of being planned to be released, um, and and there is was one that I, we were trying to put in our slate, but somebody else has the rights to and and make out, which is the Dragon Lives, which is the one where uh, Karen White played, uh, you know, Bruce Lee's wife, and yeah, which is why I wanted to get a hold of it because I wanted to do a whole commentary with Karen and and myself and. And um, so that might be coming out. I mean, that's at least that's the rumor, whether they, you know, whether they stick with it or not. Um, like I said, the, the Quo movies coming out are going to be great Kung Fu movies. We've got the Shaw Brothers set coming out. Um, and then and then you can be looking for releases coming at the beginning of the year. You know, and, you know, more than I'll put it this way. It's more than one. So. Good. Uh, All right. Well, um, I'm going to give. Uh, that's, I uh, that's, uh, that's as far as I know at the moment. All right. Well, I did a bad job on um, keeping up with comments. Again, it wasn't until halfway through I, I figured out what button to press to make them pop back up. So, sorry, guys. But Sean jumped in right at the end, and I thought this was an interesting question um, and something very applicable to you, Michael. Uh, 
you heard about Alec Baldwin, how he used that prop gun and inadvertently um, killed uh, a cinematographer. Um, do you have any stories from your uh, your movie sets of mishaps with firearms or, you know, pretty much the Brandon Lee? <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the thing about it. I mean, it's, it's rare that there was a story that took place before Brandon Lee, a guy named Eric Hexum, I think was his last name. And he was a young actor, you know, he was coming up, screwing around with a blank gun and he fired it off next to his head, but it wasn't any projection front of the gun it was actually the the expended shell was just close to his head and it binged in the side and it just was hard enough to end his you know end his life and then we have the brandon lee thing which is if you look pay attention to it it's literally a perfect storm freak show of of mishaps and accidents that um that just if one had just not have been done he would have been alive so this thing Thankfully, you know, here we are 30 some odd years later from when the Brandon Lee thing happened. Um, this sounds, from what I'm gathering at this point, there was an AD that said to Alec Baldwin, here, here's, a, here's your, your, your prop gun and it's cold, which means it's, it doesn't have, there's no blank in it. The problem is people keep saying, they're talking a lot about live loads, but you don't go on a set with a real gun with a live load in it anyway. That's what's so bizarre about this. With the Brandon Lee thing, anybody that remembers, I mean, just in a nutshell, it was used earlier in the film, which it shouldn't have been, for a prop gun. So it had a dummy bullets in it, which is me. A dummy bullet is basically a real bullet with no gunpowder, but there happened to be a little bit of gun. Pushed the head of the bullet into the chamber. Nobody checked the chamber, and then nobody checked it the next day. Blank in it, so now you basically have a real bullet because you've got a dummy bullet stuck in here and a blank in here. Most blank guns are sealed. The, the actual barrel is sealed. So there's no really way to fire them anyways. So somebody on that set had a gun that was a real gun, and they must have been using it as some sort of a, like a, maybe a, like this happens sometimes, but it shouldn't. You use a real gun for a close-up. It's just to wave it around or whatever because it looks more real than a fake one or a rubber one or a blank one. You know, you look in a blank one, you can see that they're sealed. So this is one of those bizarre moments where Alec Baldwin was handed a real gun with a, a live bullet in it. And he happened again to be, you know, you, when you aim it, even if uh, my guess is they said, let's do a shot where you're aiming it towards the lens. You know, you get a shot where the, the gun goes towards the lens, which, of course, the director and the cinematographer would be right there. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Anyways, it's the only way it makes sense. Yeah. If it was during a take or something. And then he was told it was cold. So he probably just pulled the trigger just to get the, the movement in his hand and it went off. But why in the world there was a live bullet in it? why it was literally pointed. I mean, you hit two people with one bullet. It's hard enough to hit one person with one bullet. You know what I mean? So it's just such, it's an, it's another one of those sort of weird moments. But I, I feel, you know, I think Alec Baldwin sort of seems like a, a crazy man sometimes, but I feel terrible for him right now. Oh, me you know, too. He's got to be just like, and, yeah. and I feel awful for the family. Of this Love or hate the guy and yeah, keep it out of politics. I mean, that just freaking sucks. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 
it's it's got to be horrible. So I think the the person that's going to be in the big trouble will be probably this AD that claimed the gun. If that's the case, that claimed the gun was cold and then gave him a gun that actually had a which I don't again. There shouldn't have been a bullet in a gun on a set. Anyways, a blank is not a live load. A blank is a blank. Oh my god! So are we figuring when people can out? talk about yeah, there's no live loads. It's like are, are we figuring out the that? murder plot here? This assistant or whatever well yeah yeah right the, wanted the, to murder somebody so he gave alec Baldwin. i know we talk about that with game of death right yeah 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 no it's 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 bizarre but but just on one last bit on this is that apparently you know a, just hours before a bunch of crew walked off the set which is rare people want work you know so they left the set because they said the safety standards were down and there had already been going on the set that's going to come out i'm assuming so but yeah it's absolutely terrible and she was a very talented cinematographer and, yeah amazing you know, all right well shoot thanks for bringing us uh letting us out on a um a dark yeah time. sorry <laughs> yeah coming down <laughs> i'm kidding um thanks guys for uh questions participating all that michael thank you so much and uh yeah guys uh we'll, we'll do another poll to see what comes next unless michael wants to override that okay sounds he good my friend yeah Thanks, guys, and uh, until next time. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye.